The Empowered Mothers Village is hosted by two soul-led mothers, Kayleen and Emma. This podcast is a real and authentic space where we share our experiences of raising conscious humans while providing you with tools and resources to navigate your own experiences. This podcast is an extension of our virtual village for those on the journey of conscious motherhood. We believe in creating a safe community to support you in rediscovering and trusting your authentic self. We hope you feel seen, heard, and supported as you listen. Hey, everybody. This episode was recorded in March of 2022. It's another episode that we recorded for our community in mind. Um, We had it in there before doing the podcast, and so when we recorded it, we didn't have the public listening in mind so keep that in mind as you are listening Um, this conversation is around pregnancy and preparing for birth Um, I was nine months postpartum at this point Um, and then Emma I believe you were about you were about four weeks before your guest date Um, so yeah we're just gonna talk a little bit about what we talked about in the episode and kind of what might be different now since we are releasing this to the public months after we're just in different places um so emma would you like to say anything right away well i gave birth so that's a pretty big difference very big difference i'd say very big difference. Oh. <laughs> hold on i forgot to preface that we have our babies with us. We're hardcore living this mom life. <laughs> Khalil just totally farted so loudly. And I guarantee you're going to be able to hear it. So, But I was going to preface that they were both here with us. Robbie sleeping. Khalil's chilling and nursing. And <laughs> then he had to do that because I forgot. So he's like, here, I'll remind you, mom. So they're with us. We're just living the hardcore mom life. <laughs> I didn't hear it, but I believe you when you say it will be on the recording because it totally is right by the mic. Um, what did we talk about in that conversation? I mean, I feel like there's so much I could say about preparing, but I kind of have a little spiel based on me like processing my birth story and kind of all that. I think for me in my experience, I believe that everything happened for a reason. So I'll say this here and we'll definitely have another conversation about it. Like I ended up in emergency C-section. Dogs are also here as well. Um, I ended up in emergency C-section. Um, I had a pretty bad infection. Um, I'll say this here too. I actually was reading my midwife's notes and my, my fever got, I thought it never got high or like over 98. I thought I just like didn't feel good, but it hit like 100, 101. I don't remember that happening, but it apparently happened. So I was very sick. Lots of things happened. I ended up in emergency C-section. Even with all that, I still feel like everything happened how it needed to. And I think, you know, Robbie chose the way he wanted to come into this world. And I think that's why in preparing, I felt very disconnected from 
like I had a hard time envisioning birth and what it would be like and what would happen. I just like couldn't wrap my head around it. And I think part of that is because like the whole natural birth process that I was trying to prepare for wasn't going to happen. Um, But I will say, I feel like it's not regret. It's hard because I'm like, I really trust that everything happened as it should needed to. But at the same time, there's part of me that's like, I wish I prepared more. I wish I had asked for more support kind of going into it because even when you know things, even when you feel prepared, it's so easy to be in the moment to not feel prepared to know, oh, I want this or I don't want this or I'm okay with that and I'm not okay with this. And to even know those things, but to articulate those things can be very hard. Um, Something we were talking about the other day, I think there's a lot of conversation about like the way we want to birth and be prepared and all of these things. And it's like, there isn't a lot of conversation on how to actually be prepared to have what you want. Like I knew I don't want this done to him or I want it to go this way or these things. But like what was missing was actually being able to articulate what I needed and stand up for myself. And I don't have a lot of regret in the sense of like, I think everything kind of needed to happen, how it happened to keep us both safe. Um, I think I stood pretty firm on my, my boundaries for things, but at the same time, I wonder if I had prepared in a different way if I would have had a different experience in the sense of like not even trying to, I don't know. I just feel like what's missing in the preparation for birth for a lot of people is the, I don't, I don't know how to articulate it. Like it's so good to know the things and to do the research and know what can happen or can't happen, what you do and you don't want. But there needs to be this education and preparation of, like, how do I stand up for myself? Like, if you've never articulated a boundary in your life before, birth is not the place to do that. Like, there needs to be that, like, preparation. And a lot of things could be fixed in our society that, like, actually respect women and help women do that. But that's, like, a whole other conversation about that. Okay. I'll stop now. Yeah, I, like, listening back to this episode, um, since you had him, because I helped you as much as I could, like, prepare beforehand, but we didn't really work in that doula client setting. It was more, like, just friends, like, here's this and that. Like, we never really sat down together and got into a whole bunch of things, and, like, what I would have, like, if I'm working one-on-one with a doula or as a doula, um... And it was interesting because even, like, listening back to us, and I remember... Hold on, mom, wait. Okay. Doesn't matter how many times you tell somebody, tell a kid something, they still don't listen sometimes. (laughs) Um, So, and I remember... it's, It's interesting for me to look... Cleo's just kicking the table um, oh. to look back at because and for me no I don't have words to articulate oh goodness <laughs> um, okay today's gonna be fun 
But I remember talking in this episode about preparing for birth, but, like, having a hard time. Mm. Not projecting, because I didn't want to, like, project any of my own stuff, my experience, my education. Onto any but like onto you or say like you're absolutely gonna deal with this like make sure like I had a really hard time with finding the balance of like okay well make sure like this you know like this could have like I didn't know how to articulate it in a way that would help you be more prepared or help you and we weren't working like we were just friends so it was like a different relationship than if I'm a doula with somebody we're, we're just having a day um i'm gonna pause i have something to say okay Okay. yeah (laughs) yeah i i think i understand what you're you're trying to get at there and yeah it's a weird thing to look back on because i think they're you know i don't know i had this feeling the whole time i'm like am i just not I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Like, am I not accepting help? Like, is there something about not accepting help that's problematic? Or am I trusting my intuition and am I being not correct, but like trusting what's best for me? Um, But I have to say probably very quickly after I gave birth, I think it might have been on the way home from the hospital. I don't even know. It was very soon after where I was like, yeah, and next time we're (laughs) hiring a doula. Because... Yeah, I mean, everything everyone said about just, like, I don't know. Because I felt prepared and I knew what I want and I didn't want, I mean, everything still happened, right? But, so it's not there that I felt that I needed the support. Actually, maybe it was. Like, it would have been helpful to have a conversation with someone other than my partner in those moments. Because I could not think. And I was so sick that I couldn't even, like, imagine something else happening, even if I knew what that other thing was or what the consequences of some intervention might have been. Like, I couldn't even fathom it because once I hit a certain point, I was like, get this baby out of me. I'm just so done. Um, So having support with that, someone who had, like, a clear head and a clear brain would have been so helpful. But that's not where, where I was looking at it from because I was never thinking it would ever get there. I was like, I don't need someone else to touch me. I don't need someone else to, like, hold my hand or whatever. I want that space and I want that privacy. And I'm like, oh, my, it's not. That's not all, all they're good for. Um, but I don't know. Again, it's a whole other conversation, but it's it's an interesting territory of, like, don't, I don't regret it. And I don't want to like fill myself with regret because I don't think it, that's real, but it's interesting to look back on it and be like, hmm. Huh. Yeah, I will say, you know, because I had a C section with my first, we talked about this in that, this episode, um, and then I had a successful V back with my second. And when helping, because I had taken my doula training last fall. But the, a huge part of, like, the reason I'm going into this work is to help women have the birth, but to help them learn how to advocate and work through kind of these scenarios ahead of time. And then because birth isn't the place to then, like, try and figure it all out, you have to almost have the, like, you have, it goes beyond the research. You have to do the mindset work ahead of time. But the thing is, is that 
it's hard to help a woman understand that before she's in it without for me like without projecting or like telling somebody that this is absolutely how it's going to be because it's not some births you know and then we have our things with like the medical system and it's a whole thing and so it's hard to like not project the fears but that's what you're going to end up facing in there like if you're especially if you're birthing in um, the medical system um you know there's different levels of it but like you were at a birth center with midwives but because they are like they call them medwives you know so they were way better like whole other conversation right and we don't need to get too far into it but um like looking back because I do remember even having like recording this conversation and just trying to be careful of how I said things because I didn't want you to feel a certain way and I'm like and then you ended up having this experience and then it really just solidified for me like no I have to figure out how to talk about these things with women and help them work through it before they end up in that situation because I was talking to your partner like we were texting during your labor and I was like trying to send him like things and like I'm like dude just like call me now <laughs> um you know but and I just wish I could have like been there and then I'm like okay like I needed to like I should have just found a way you know me with my procrastination and like I was like I want to do all these things but like facing and actually doing it is a whole other story for me <laughs> so um but yeah I think it just solidified for me that I actually like really like this is the work that I do need to be doing I need to help women realize ahead of time because that, that's just it it's hard to help a woman prepare ahead of time because we don't talk about it. we don't talk about the actual birth and all the stuff because the medical system doesn't want us to talk about it ahead of time and all the things because they want a woman to just get in there and be vulnerable and be like here's all this shit <laughs> here are all these things you know and you can prepare in the research part but yeah you have to do the mindset and the you know advocate like being prepared to advocate for yourself and then having your partner whatever support person you're having being able to do that for you and it's a whole thing and we'll get into more of that but um yeah so this I mean I know this episode talks a lot about preparing for birth and um yeah I mean I could talk about this all day because that's what I'm like I'm going into this work of you know birth doula mother doula all of it but I'm just I'm passionate because I had a c-section after a long labor and yeah it's just it's yeah there's a very interesting dynamic around the whole I don't know there's just a lot there's a lot that we need to change and fix and talk about so I don't know do you have anything that you want to add yeah I just want to say I don't, I, I, I think C-sections get, like, demonized, and I don't think that's our intention, and I'm not saying it from that space. I don't think you are either, and connected to that, even if it doesn't seem like it, I just want to say that to you and to anyone else who's listening, I think there's such a need for people who can talk about the preparation like you were speaking about because I think there's such a gap. I think there's such all or nothing thinking, which will be the next episode, around birth, around pregnancy. It's either one way or the other way, and I think there's such a need for 
some middle ground and people who can hold space and say like, hey, these are the things that can happen. Here's to be prepared for all your scenarios. I think there's a lot of clout given to certain options um, to the point where I automatically felt like I should feel shame after I ended up in a C-section because of things that I was consuming on the internet and things I was reading and hearing people talk about birthing in a certain way. Um, so I'll just say, I think there's a middle ground, but I think there needs to be more discussion around that and for people to actually understand that and it not be so this way or that way, good, bad, because it's not. There's preferred preferences, and then there's other things that happen. Yeah, there's definitely, like, the balance. And it's tricky to find the balance of talking about it all, where you don't feel like you're shaming people, but you're also trying to, like, kind of not wake people up, but just prepare people. And, yeah, there's just so much to it. Um, So... Yeah, I think we'll probably leave it there. This is definitely a very unfinished, even just the intro here. (laughs) Um, But go ahead and listen to this episode. We'll have plenty more to say. I know we plan on both sharing more about our birds in upcoming episodes. Um, So enjoy the show, and we will talk to you soon. Hey, mamas. This is Emma and Kylene. Today we are going to be having a conversation around um, prepping for birth and delivery, um, possibly some of the pregnancy journey. See where it goes. Um, Emma, you want to? If you want to share, I guess I can share first since I'm talking. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, this one is he'll be nine months in like a week. So I'm nine months postpartum. So I was doing this work about a year ago, which is crazy to think about that that much time's passed already. Um, so yeah, if you want to share where you're at. I'm what, four weeks away from giving mm-hmm. birth? Possibly. Give or take. Give or take. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... I'm excited to see where this conversation goes because I feel like it's an interesting topic and it's something that I'm glad that I've tried to prepare like for way earlier in advance than maybe other people. Not that there's anything that's normal, but I'm glad that I kind of feel done and ready to go. I don't know what other people's experiences are, but... I'm just not a procrastinator. <laughs> I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah. I'm grateful for that in moments like this because I think I could feel way more anxious and way more nervous, and I don't because I took time to think about it over the course of my pregnancy um, and plan for things and prepare. Which we can talk about specifics, but I just wanted to start with that. Right, yeah. You messaged me, like, right when you found out you were pregnant. And you're like, give me all your resources. Because I was in the middle of my doula training at that point, I think. Or no. Did I even start it at that point? You hadn't even started it, I don't think. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. So then I just got to share things that I had learned and done and stuff in the books but yeah I think I think it's 
I don't know, these days we focus a lot on the nursery and the baby clothes and the name and all of that stuff. And we so we're ready to bring baby home, but we don't put a lot of effort into and not everybody, everybody's different, but like I think just from everything I've seen and experienced and talked to with many, many, many other moms, it's like we don't really prep for the birth. We might take one birthing class, typically through like the hospital or something, and we don't like really, like we just don't focus on it. We're like, okay, yeah, we're good, you know, whatever happens, like, oh, I'll go in you know, whether you want to do natural or not. Um, I know a lot of moms, I think, when they first get pregnant, they, like, immediately, like, think they're going to go get an epidural. And so just even that, which there's nothing wrong with that, if that's what you choose to do. But then they also think that they're going to get the epidural and then nothing else needs to happen, kind of. But there's still, even with an epidural, there's lots of things that you... Like, you're not just, like, immune to... Like, your baby's not just going to fall out of your vagina because you had yeah. an epidural, which I think is kind of, like, what we think. Like, I think that's kind of, like... I don't know. Not what we think, but... I'm, but it's I'm kind thinking, of portrayed as... Yeah. I, it's, it's so interesting. Just how... It feels, like, backwards how much effort is put into that culturally or you know by majority of people and I'm thinking of someone that I don't really know but like I'm, I mean I guess I know them because I'm friends with them on social media and I've been watching their journey and like I can see in them like how much emphasis they've put on those things and then they've shared some things about um like their birth and their plans for birth and I'm like it's so backwards how much effort people put into all those things but they don't research or they don't look into like what their options are and that that's not to judge anyone's options but I was just thinking about when you're saying that I was like because it is backwards and pregnancy makes us tired like we only and, and just generally we have a limited amount of energy mm. and when we're spending so much energy researching the best this and the best that for like the nursery and the baby like there isn't time to research like what are my options during labor how do I prepare for this how do I prepare for that um so it's almost I wonder if people are like just don't have the space for it versus it being like yeah. I don't even care about that or both. <laughs> well, I think that's probably... Because, I mean, you're only pregnant for so long. Like, there's a limited amount of time that you actually can fit in all of that. Like, yes, you, you do need to be prepared to bring a baby home. Like, there are things you need. And, like, it's great to, like, do that research, too. But, like, yeah. And no one talks about the actual birth. Like, we talk about going to the hospital, and then it's, like, this void of time. And then, oh, she had the baby. Like... We don't talk about, we, like, when I say we, I don't really know who I mean. I think I just mean society in yeah. general, because there are people that talk about it, and, like, depends who you follow and what you consume, but, like, you do have to seek it out. Like, it's not common. If you don't seek it out, like, you, pro you might not know that there's actually quite a bit to prepare for, and, like, and that, and that, so my experience, I'll just share some of my experience because of how different it is like it is so with my first like I did 
you know, research, but I didn't really like super dive in. I didn't read any books back then on it. Um, like I used Pinterest. This was in 2000, what year was he born? 15, <laughs> I had to think. Um, and so like, I don't know, I was like using Pinterest. Instagram wasn't like huge, huge back then. Um, and then there was Facebook. So it wasn't like, there weren't like really influencers yet. Like there weren't, there weren't a lot of people talking about, like Pinterest was probably the main source of different kind of information. Yeah. And so I got stuff, but I got a lot of like baby hacks and like, you know, like all that. So I was like following, I remember like, I still have a board from back then about like labor and I dove in like random things, but like nothing solid. Like I didn't know much. I remember looking into a doula, but I couldn't afford it. Um, like I was teaching, like I had just, it was my first year of teaching. Like I started in August and I had him in November. So like I was like teaching full time, like for two months, like just like on contract for the first year. So like I couldn't go afford it. Cause I think the doula was like $5,000 or something. And yeah. like, I really wanted it. I couldn't afford it because I just, I think I knew that I wanted some kind of outside support. My mom um, was battling pancreatic cancer and was really sick at that point. Um, and she did come up, but you know, she wasn't like the solid, she wasn't healthy. So she couldn't like really yeah. like come in and be that like solid support. Um, and so I don't know, I did, you know, I did the class at the hospital and I felt, after that, like, I felt prepared, right? I felt I knew my options. I knew what I could do. And I feel like now looking back, I feel like it prepared you for all the things you can do, basically all the interventions that you can say yes to. <laughs> like, like, oh, if this is too much, like, you can do this or if this, like, and then there was, like, the possible, like, different things right like because I remember like I wanted to go like I wanted to have a natural childbirth and but then it was like okay so they painted this whole picture that if you still don't, I don't know if you don't want an epidural but you know it's too much you can get an analgesic which is like an IV pain med um, and it'll take kind of like the the edge off and I remember like okay like that's a good option right like oh at least you know it's like and they didn't sit there and give you the pros and cons and the negatives and positives. Like, they didn't give you the risks of it. Uh -oh. Like, they're just telling you, like, here's these options. Like, nothing about actual, like, risks in the class, right? And so I felt prepared, went in, went in too early. Um, and so I actually went in, like, Saturday because I thought my water had broken. It didn't, but they said I was in very early labor. They sent me home. Labored at home all day Sunday. Um, and my contractions were, like, getting closer, but then there'd be a gap. And it was just, like, very strange. Like, they were never getting very, like, super close and consistent and strong. They were kind of all over the place. And so by the end of that night, though, because I was teaching, I only had two weeks of paid leave. I had to use my sick leave, right? And so I had 14 yeah. days saved up. And I was like, not gonna take that until I went into labor, <laughs> which is a whole other issue in our society, right? So I was like, okay, it's like six o'clock, seven o'clock after the Vikings game that we had to sit and watch all day. <laughs> so um, I was like, we're going in. Like, I just wanna get checked. I need to know if I'm going to work tomorrow or not. Like, I need to know if I'm like actually in labor. I was like three centimeters, but they're like, yep, you're in active labor and we're going to keep you. I was like, okay, cool. Like, yay, baby's coming, right? 
so like that whole night like we just we basically settled in and like turned the lights off and tried to sleep and I didn't like sleep at all um and they were getting like stronger but nothing like it's still like I don't know anyway it ended up being the cascade of interventions right they broke my water in the morning um and it's like that's something they don't tell you when your water breaks they're going to put you on a 24-hour clock and baby has to come by then otherwise it's going to be in a c-section no matter what but it they call it the cascade of interventions because like it can slowly like it's, you say yes to one thing and it's just it's a cascade it's very easy and so what ended up happening i ended up getting basically all of them because i didn't know that i could say no i didn't know that i could say no when they told me i had to do pitocin and i had to get an epidural with it because i was already in so much pain even though i was handling it like a champ like they're like but you're already in pain like yeah labor is painful <laughs> but like they're like oh you're in pain and so you need to do the epidural with it and like when you're in it you don't like you don't know until you experience it like what it's like to be in it and so you need to know you can say no like you because when when someone comes up and offers you this thing that's going to take all the pain away it's a lot easier to say yes if it's offered to you um and i heard a lot of stories when i did my doula training about that too um and like even like mom's completely handling it yes it's labor but like the second someone like offers it they're just like okay because like yeah it's it's like offering a kid candy on a plate at that point you know it's so easy to say yes so and but i ended up in a c-section um that night that monday night because he just wasn't coming out i pushed i dilated all the way to 10 i pushed for four hours um, and he just like wasn't coming out and they didn't know and he ended up being face up and they had no idea until they like cut into me they're like you could hear him crying in there <laughs> and then they're like oh that's a nose oh he's face up oh he wasn't coming out that way uh, and but they had no fucking clue and that pisses me no. off still because they didn't like, check your s stomach they knew he was head down they didn't know he was face up <laughs> so um yeah and so you know i thought i was prepared going into it and then at that point like i accepted i was like okay whatever it is what it is like he's here he's healthy right and i honestly didn't think too much of it until i got pregnant again <laughs> like i just accepted what happened to me i was like all right cool um and then i got pregnant and again again and i remember I think it was before I actually went into the C-section the first time and my doctor was like yeah if you'll if you ever have another one you'll have a C-section again or you have to and I, I don't think she said it this time she's like oh next time will be easy because you'll have a C-section something like that um but I knew that a VBAC was possible because my mom back in the 80s had me I was a C-section and my brother 18 months later was a VBAC so I was like I knew it was possible <laughs> like I didn't know much about it but I just thought it was interesting like on the operating table your doctor like your OB is telling you that um and so yeah like so I experienced that so then this time around I just knew like I got pregnant I was like no I, I think I want to try a VBAC but I was still nervous about it and I didn't talk about it because I was scared of it not happening I was scared of like failing um but yeah so like my I mean there's obviously way more details to it all and but that's where I just learned that you really have to like prepare because you have to know what I almost said like what you're getting yourself into but 
Like you do, like you have to know what could come up, whether it ends up being the easiest labor ever and your baby like just is born so quickly, like awesome, great, (laughs) right? But I had a dream like that the other night though, (laughs) that I was pregnant and I had a baby and it literally, I was like, I don't know. It just like came. I was like, oh, there's a baby. (laughs) So, um, yeah. Like, whoever was with walked to the door. They were going to go tell somebody. And I was like, no. Like, and then I was like, the, it, baby's here. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe some foreshadowing. Um, but, yeah, like, I mean, I experienced it firsthand where I thought I was prepared. And then because I ended up in the situation where so many things did come up and I didn't actually know. And they never gave me the full risks and benefits of any of it when you're in the right. moment. Like, you have to ask, and then you have to say the biggest thing. Like, you have to know that you can say no. You can say no, and that's what I didn't know at the time. Um, and, like, and asking for the benefits and risks and alternatives. So, um, yeah, and I think that's just because you don't know until either you experience it or you go out and search for it to, like, prepare yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I'll shut up for a little bit now. <laughs> You've instilled some fear in me just because of your experience with Forrest. So today, I haven't told you this, but today when I went, I was asking the midwife about, I was like, well, what happens if he flips over? And like, mm-hmm. how would you know? What would, and I think that's just the, can, can be the interesting difference between seeing a doctor and seeing a midwife or just you know, place of birth because they were like, well, if that happens, we'll do this and we can mm-hmm. turn him and we know how to blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But it's also like in the setting that you were in, that was never going to happen because the end goal was, I'm just going to say, it's like, it's always to get you just into a C-section because it's easier. And it's more for money the doctors. for them. And it's more it's money. It's more money. Yep. Yeah. So they get to go, they get to do it and get it over with and go home. Cause I was there. I was there for over 24 hours yeah. in labor. Like, and I would have been there, you know, till the next day or until, yeah. Uh, and see, and that's a thing like, cause I don't ever like to like instill fear like that or anything like, but I do like to share my story because yeah. I think it's important because I didn't know that that could happen. So with, with like with Khalil, I knew to like sit on my yoga ball, be sitting forward, to like be doing different exercises to make sure like that could help baby. Because yeah. so what typically baby sits on one side of your stomach in the womb um, until labor, and then those contractions will turn them this way. Yeah. Sometimes it'll turn them this way, um, but with the right support you know also if you're having really bad back labor like I had horrible back labor like that should have been the biggest red flag for them that something was off and it wasn't um so yeah because there are there um there's lots of different exercises different things you can do to help baby flip there's things you can do but you have to know that baby's in the wrong position which is which is my issue and so yeah that just paints another picture of having the wrong care and making sure you you know part of your part of your pregnancy is finding the right care for yourself yeah 
And, and I think it's good to have... Co- I mean, I, you didn't mean to make me scared, but once he was, like, head down, I was like, oh, well, I could still flip, so, like, we need to talk about what that <laughs> looks like, because I don't think he's going to flip from head down, because pretty sure he's running out of room in there but that's not the point um but I think it's good to talk about those things because I you know I I don't think people should be running around instilling fear I think there's a way to talk about things like you've always talked about it in a way that is it's your experience yeah but we're just close so I'm like yeah you know um but I think I think, I don't know, it's hard. Like, you have to be careful who you ask about their experiences because the way that they're going to deliver it is going to be different. But I think it's helpful to know those things because I don't think I ever read about that in a book. You know, like, I've never come across that specific scenario. But knowing that allowed me to ask questions about, well, what if that does happen? How would we know? What would we do? Um... Cause, yeah. And I just want to add, because he was head down. He was just yeah. his face yeah. was up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, like, and that probably happened. I still think it happened earlier because um, we had, I ended up, that's another thing, let them talk me into a ultrasound at 36 weeks, which I didn't want. I shouldn't, not that I shouldn't have, but just knowing now, because they tried to push me into one this time because they wanted to tell me that baby was too big for a VBAC. Yeah. So I said no. <laughs> Because I knew, I knew because I prepared myself, I knew that that was a possibility because the right. OB that I met with, she did not want me to go. She told me I had a 1% chance of having a successful VBAC. Like, there's so much. But Why are people um, so mean? I don't I, ju- I, I like bitch to the midwife after having him too about her. I was like, can you go tell her that I, <laughs> I did it? I was like, yeah. And I said something kind of like snarky and like not like I was like joking, but like whatever. And so I was like, yeah, like she just, you know, and like, yeah, she really likes to like err on the side of caution. And I was like, well, that's bullshit. Like she that just put up another like hurdle for me to have to get over as a medical professional telling me that I can't do it. Like, yeah. Um, but no, I think, yeah, I, and like, there's the opposite side of it. Cause you have to know yourself too. Right. Cause like I do tend to worry when I'm pregnant. I tend because pregnancy is so unknown. You can't see the baby. And so I tend to worry things are wrong a little bit too much. And I hang on to things depending so, like, you also have to know, like, where you fall with that when you are learning and research, like, still prepare yourself. But, like, you have to, like, not get too attached to what you're learning, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. you know, like, you, you can't scare yourself into, like, oh, my gosh, my baby's going to do this or that or it's going to end up like because you don't know and it's if that's but that's the hard part of pregnancy you just it's so unknown and that's where that surrendering comes in so nicely yeah I also think that's where like if you're a procrastinator you're a procrastinator and pregnancy is probably not the time to change that behavior but if you're not I do think that is something that's helpful was like having the time to research all that stuff and sit with it because mm. I had that time to let things go, to like learn about something and take it in and like maybe get anxious about it because I'm kind of the same way for a day or two and then it was gone. Like that's what I was trying to say before. I couldn't imagine 
I mean, I may still learn new things now, but like learning new things at this point in my pregnancy, I think I, I feel really differently. Like I'm glad I, there was space to just be like, okay, this could happen. Okay. There's this option. Okay. There's this thing. And then be like, okay, kind of going to forget about all of that. There was one book I was reading and of course I remember what it was, but that kind of said that it was like you know like learn about all your options understand what options you would like to take ideally and then just like stop thinking about it and stop worrying about it because it is like you were just saying unpredictable and you have to surrender and you have to let go of control um yeah yeah and I think too with that like I think with my experiences also, like, I thought that my first labor, that I was going to be able to, like, make the decisions, do the things, like, while I was in labor. I didn't know, like, how otherworldly labor was. Yeah. Like, I thought I was going to, like, not well, that you're not conscious. Exactly. You're very, like, not that you're not conscious, but you're not here in this world and those contractions and, like, between them, depending on... And everyone, again, everyone's experience is different, but, like, you go into, like, women go into this, like, trance, especially in the contraction. Um, and then, just, like, from what I learned with Duolene, there's a whole thing, like, there's this whole, um, I can't remember what she called it, but there's there's these three things, and they're either, there's visual, so there's, like, a primary, secondary, and a third or whatever um but they might be like visual so they like during the contraction they might stare they're gonna stare at one thing then like auditory might be second and they might be hitting third but there's one that's going to be the main thing and then there's a like second one there's like there's always going to be three things so it's like kinesthetic um and when they lose it, and that's why a lot of women, when they get to, we don't talk about that too, because you can labor beautifully at home and then get to the hospital. And a lot of times labor will stall for women because they're out of their element. And a big part of it is they let that go. And so they yeah. have to get back into it. Um, and just knowing that, like, I didn't even know that was a thing, like until my doula training, which I did after having Khalil. Um, and so like, because that's one thing that's nice to know because like it and that's the other thing is like part of the preparation is getting your partner on board and like trying to like yeah talk to your partner about all of this because they are going to be the main support and they're going to be the number one person during it because you're not I'm just going to say it like you're not there (laughs) like you're there but you're not there like you can't fully make decisions like you can but it's just harder because you don't want to have to be pulled out when they come in and like say this you don't want to have to like sit and be like okay wait what do I need to know what do you need to tell me and then for them to sit there and tell you while you're having contractions you know or waiting between like you don't you want to stay in it because the more you stay in it the better your body's gonna do and you know like so and they don't talk about that so like I thought like oh I couldn't go learn all this stuff like the first like I didn't tell anything to like Forrest's dad like before labor like we didn't and he had another kid she also had a c-section I can't remember I don't think they did much of labor but I can't like I don't know like I just thought like oh we'll figure it out while we're there right like and I think that's a lot of people's thoughts I think that's the norm these days we'll figure it out when we're in labor 
like we'll figure it out at the hospital and like the doctors will help us and the nurses will help us but like uh-huh. and I think and not that I want to split people into categories but in my mind it divides very easily into like people who trust in the system and have faith yeah. in the system and think that doctors yeah. and nurses have their best interests at heart and then people who don't think that or yeah I can because if because you're right because I and I, I I mean I think again culturally you know big picture we're told to trust doctors we're told that they're their authority we're told that this is the way it works we're shown this is the way that it works it's in all the movies and all the things and like you know, that's, if you don't know that there's any other way, you don't know that there's any other way, mm-hmm. any other options, um, unless, like you're saying, you're seeking it out. But I think it sadly falls into those kind of camps. Um, I don't know. And if yeah. You, well, like, it's also like, if you don't... <laughs> If, if you think that, then you don't, then, I don't know, like, you're protected in a way, like, ignorance is bliss, right? Like, you don't know that, like, you were saying, I mean, you were in a very different space when you had Forrest. I don't think you were that ignorant about it, but I, I think to an extent, it's just like, okay, well, this is kind of how it is and what... It'll, it'll be figured out. Um, mm-hmm. And those people are going to gravitate in that direction. And then people who are like, no, that's not right. Or no, that's not what I want. Are going to go in the other direction of research and trying to figure it out. And what other options? Where can they give birth? Or if they do choose to give birth at a hospital, what does that look like? What do I need to say no to? What do I need to be aware of? Yeah. And... I think part of why I want to, like, help women and talk about it, and it's hard because, like, I don't ever try to do it in, like, a like a fearful way. Like, I don't want to do it in a fearful way or, like, a way that, like, like hello, you need to wake up. Like, I, I don't know how to word it, but, um, but I think with a lot of people, like, my experience is it ends up taking a first experience to go bad before yeah you do something about it before the next you start researching and that goes I mean that goes for life right like everything can go fine in your life and you're can be doing this thing your entire life and then all of a sudden there's an accident or there's something that goes wrong with it and you're gonna look at that whole thing differently and even though people are telling you this or you know like some people are just that way where they won't do anything until it happens to them or they have no idea that it doesn't go that way normal like you know that it can go badly or whatever um so like that's where that's i'm like sometimes i'm just like let me help you because i don't want that i'd rather you just be very like not you but like people let me help you because i don't want what happened to me to happen to you i just want you to be prepared and it's not like fearful it's just like just no like and then and then whatever happens like will happen sometimes like you might have you know people's providers end up being like not what they thought they were gonna you know things do happen or 
something in pregnancy presents that, you know, you don't feel safe doing what you had planned, whatever. Things happen. I also believe, like, our babies have this karmic, you know, yeah. like, they have their own karma and their, their um, like, they have their story. And so, like, I think that's something, too. Like, whatever's going to happen, like, will happen. But I think it's always just best to be prepared so that you can at least feel like you not had control but like you you know like you were empowered to do it and then if something comes up like it, it's not because you weren't prepared kind of thing does that make sense yeah I don't know. yeah this is kind of a side tangent but it makes me think about something I was reading the other day about like how when we want to help people or we see what people's problems are we like try to push them in that direction and it never is it just doesn't work um, and I think that's a big problem with a, lo a lot of stuff right now, but that's a whole other conversation. And I think it's more about just, um, I think about like standing still and just really like rooting what, in what I believe in and then sharing that and then hoping that that's like, yeah. they'll listen because you really can't convince people to change that the. I'm not old, but, like, the older I get, the more I learn that. It's, like, you can't motivate someone, like you were saying, to... Sometimes it just takes people figuring things out for themselves and not having a good experience, whether that's in birth or just, like, other things, to be like, okay, maybe I want to learn more about that. Maybe I want to do something. I don't know why we're wired that way. It's weird. It doesn't make yeah. sense to me. But, yeah, it's such a big... Uh -uh. There's a part of me that's like, it's such a big thing. It's such a big deal. And then the closer I get, the more I'm like, it's not that I don't care. That's not the right words. But the more I'm like, okay, it's just gonna like, it's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Because I, and again, like I'm gonna always be an ad advocate for preparation, but like, I probably wouldn't feel the way I feel if I hadn't thought about all these things leading up to it. But I thought about all those things because I knew in this space I didn't want to be worrying about my options or thinking about it or what or trying to figure things out. So now yeah. I can just chill. So that's my advice. Do it <laughs> if you want it. Do it sooner than later because it's nice to be able to sit here and be like feel prepared and at the same time I'm like oh my god am I even prepared like am I even ready like has anything I've done actually going to help me when the time comes I don't think that fear or anxiety goes away <laughs> right like it doesn't matter what, how much you do or like how prepared you are um yeah I don't know yeah and I was gonna say too like you can do the prepared you know preparing and learning and sharing like with your partner and whatever and then when the time comes like ultimately you're letting go of control like and you have to that's what you, you have to let go to let the baby come through come. like because but 
that but that's where that preparing ahead of time comes in because mm-hmm. then you feel safe to let go because your partner right. is prepared your you have the birth team in place that you trust to yeah. give you the birth you desire and yeah. that was huge for me was it was the perfect birth team for Khalil I wouldn't I don't think I would go that route again like I think because now, since I had one C-section, even though I had a successful VBAC, every pregnancy will still be considered a VBAC. Right. Which is stupid, I think. But, but yeah. I get it, because, like, it's still a vaginal birth after cesarean. Yeah. Um, they shouldn't name it something else. Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, you know, there's still always going to be that teeny tiny less than 1% risk of, like, the uterus rupturing, and that's always what they hang on to and are scared about. Um, but I think like if I ever do get pregnant again, I think I'd like to do like a home birth or something or like outside birth. I don't know. I don't know what I would do. Um, and hopefully if I do get pregnant again, like I, of course, like I'm in a better relationship and, um, but that was one thing that I, and I know it's the only way that I, not the only way that I had a successful one, but like. I had I had built my birth team. I got a doula. She was virtual. I would have, like, I want someone hands-on next time, I think. Um, I think there's something incredible about working with someone and that's perfect for virtually um, during the pregnancy. But then I think there's something, like, because I, like, I plan to do virtual, like, services with people and stuff. And that's, that's the prepping and the getting ready and everything and I hope to someday do like hands-on birth support but um but I think there's something special I think you can build that too I don't think you necessarily need a doula um as long as you have your people ready um I had this one's even though we weren't together I had his dad there and he was like the rock during my labor but we like me and my doula and him had a video like a zoom call and we talked through it all and I was like this is what I'm gonna need this is what I do not want like and you need to be the advocate if they try to push shit on me like and he's very like not gonna take shit from people like that like so I felt very safe with him like making sure like I got what I needed during my birth and like I just I felt supported in that way not yeah. emotionally, but you know, <laughs> it's another thing. Not not beyond, not beyond the labor. Um, but I just I did. I felt very during the birth. I felt I had my I had my prep work with my doula done virtually, and that helped just the mindset work and the getting ready. Um, because honestly, preparing for a VBAC is a completely separate thing than preparing for just, like your uh, birth because you have the trauma of ending up in a C-section. You have to work through that and everything that that society tells you, the birth professionals tell you, you know. So there's a whole other layer there. Um, and then I ended up switching to midwives. I was, like, 32 weeks pregnant because I was planning to move the whole time, and so, like, I wouldn't recommend that, like, um, but I found midwives and I found care providers that I, like, trusted. Like, the people that I was seeing before that kept making these comments, like, um, because, like, this is, like, TMI, but I got, a, like, I had a skin tag. I get skin tags during pregnancy. I don't know why. Um, but I had one, like, down there, like, 
next, you know, next to down there on my leg. But, like, she's like, oh, you'll be numb down there, so we can just, like, cut it off. <laughs> I was like, we gonna what? think of it right away. It was, like, after the appointment. I was like, wait, what? Like, you don't even know. Like, you don't have a clue, like, what you, like, like, at least, like, she did, like, acknowledge that it was going to be a vaginal birth, but she assumed that I was going to be numb down there, like, from an epidural or, you know, something. Yeah. So, I'm like, wait, no, like, you don't even know what I want to do. And so, um, and there were other red flags with them, but, so I switched to my midwives, and I felt very supported, and I asked, like, all my questions. I was in every single, because I only had a handful of appointments, because I didn't switch till 32 weeks, and so I was there for, like, an hour every appointment asking them a million questions, but, and that was important for me, and I think that's important is asking your care providers. You can say no to them. You can switch providers. You can switch as you're pushing your baby out. You can ask for a different provider, and that's something we don't know. We think, like, we're just stuck with people or, like, you're 36 weeks, so you're stuck with them. It's not true. You can switch providers at any time, and finding that right provider is a huge step because you need to be supported so yeah that's a big part of it too and it's hard work because you might depending where you live and what it's like around you you might have to see and talk to different providers before you find out what what's going to work for you but it's so important yeah that's that's something i, I hear like when, when when I was, got pregnant, and I was like, oh, we're going to do a home birth. And there's, like, some, like, a couple different reasons why that has not panned out. But one of them was, like, I couldn't find someone that I felt comfortable with to do that with here. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel comfortable in this space because it's, like, not our space. Um, but I couldn't find someone, and then I kept coming back to the birth center where I'm going to give birth. But took a lot. <laughs> lot of research to get to that decision um I was also gonna say and I kind of had a realization when you were talking about the doula thing because you're like you don't need one I was like I hope she's not just saying that for me um but I was thinking about like why I feel that way and there's there's a point beyond it just being my experience but I was thinking about well I I really don't enjoy being touched, which is something mm -hmm. I need to work on and is probably going to bring things up in labor, but I couldn't imagine having another person there touching me, trying to help me. Like, I can barely imagine my partner, whom I love very much and is very well informed. Like, it, it just, like, I know I'm gonna have to go into my zone and whatever. But I just think it's important to, like, know what works for you and doesn't work for you and know yourself because to someone else, that could be very supportive. But to me and my experiences, it it may not be. And maybe I'll go through it and I'll be like, nah, I totally needed one. I don't know. But I think, and someone brought this up on our call last night, like, I think it's really important to trust whatever it is you feel, even if it's not, doesn't go in line with like other things that you believe. And we want to have a whole other conversation about this. So I don't want to like steal it, um, from that. But I think part of too, like, I really didn't want to let go of the idea of having homework. So I thought that's like what I should do because of like my spiritual natural 
beliefs that I hold, you know? I was like, God, oh, that's, that's, like, what I would do. But I kept, like, so intuitively coming back to the birth center and, like, looking at it learning about it. I was like, I don't know, that feels really safe. Like, that feels really good. And then feeling bad that that felt true. So... Mm-hmm. Just, just, <laughs> I say it like it's easy, but really trusting what you feel, even if it feels counterintuitive to maybe other parts of yourself or other beliefs that you have or the standard of whatever you believe or associate yourself with. Yeah. And I think, um, I have like two or three things to say from that. <laughs> okay. Um, but it's interesting because I had saw saw I had seen a post earlier today. Because um, it's interesting that you immediately went doula and hands on in your mind, because that's not necessarily. I mean, because the post that I saw, they're like it was a doula doing hands on, but the post was like doulas don't just give you emotional care and put washcloths on your head. Like, so it's funny because you have the hands on, but apparently other doulas think like, or other people think doulas only do like that. Um, but that's what like a doula is really there for whatever you need. Um, sometimes actually a lot of times from what I learned in my class, like the partner is a hand, like and the person might not want hands on. That's completely like fine like it's obviously 100% what the birthing person wants and needs and if they don't want hands on no one should be touching them um but there's other ways and so some but a lot of times a doula is more supporting the support the support person in the birth um and then just checking and then a lot of you know it, it depends every birth is completely different and everyone needs different things so I said that's interesting because that's where your mind went with a doula and then yeah. other people are thinking doulas don't do shit <laughs> like, so but yeah doulas are really there for whatever like the birthing person needs I and for me the reason I'm going into it is more to help with the birth prep yeah. And like the mindset and the getting ready and just being there, being a sounding board and helping someone navigate all the decisions and being ready, like to, you know, whatever comes up. And then also if needed, like being that advocate in the moment, if they need me to be and, and helping with those situations that pop up. So the mother can just stay in the zone. Um, Cause that's what I think of like someone just be there, like be mm-hmm. that, like let let the mother labor like doula and support person they can be like the go to them and then they'll figure it you know they'll obviously birthing person has to say like yes no whatever like that's be their decision but rather than a doctor in their face like what do you want do you want this like no so yeah um but yes as far as because um, it's interesting, everything, depending on where you fall, like you feel like you should do a home birth because you're in the spiritual or you don't believe like the system is safe or whatever. Like, And then also there's a side of, I know with myself and I see like, because I think a lot of us know that there are issues in the system. There are issues in the medical system, especially around birth. But also, we are so out of touch with that intuitive birthing nature of us and like, and mothering, like we're so, and it's not us, it's from a line, it's from history, right? So it's not, it's not just us, it's because it's been 
turned, like, it's been shoved away for, like, our ancestors, like, our mothers and our grandmothers and whatever, every family and all of that looks different, but society in general. And so, like, we're now coming back around to it, but I think of us as kind of a bridge. Like, I don't know, I just keep coming back to this image of our generation being this bridge. And we're... We're going from one place to another, but we can't just jump. Like, we can't, like, some people are, some people are doing it, but it takes work, and, like, it's it's hard to then, like, also trust that you can safely birth your baby because of so much shit out there that tells you you can't. And depending on what you heard growing up and what you read and see in the news, like, you know, we're so conditioned, and so it's so hard to fully actually trust that you could like do it at home because there's so many people telling and that's like there's like so many different layers to that but I think ultimately like society wise and ancestral and how that manifests within us yeah I just think like I think there's some very deep 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 like beyond normal deep work that we're kind of doing but it's hard for us to just jump that's why it almost sometimes takes like these baby steps for us and like like we have to work through it like you can get pregnant and be like okay like I don't know there's just and then there's there's the people that decide to go do the home birth on the first time which is awesome and that's great but I do notice and they're shaming people that don't and that's not fucking okay and I'm over it like I'm like great if you have a home birth and it's your first baby and yes that's so cool because you don't have but then you can't go shame and like and you ha- honestly like you can talk like but you you still have to be careful how you talk about it to other people and about it because the way people are doing it is so shaming to moms who are still birthing in like a hospital because but there's so and because they're not acknowledging that they're not acknowledging all the fucking work that we all need to be working through and so and then they're making it harder for moms because yeah. then moms are just shamed and then you sh- when you're shamed you just shut it off so and that's and it's all our trauma like when mm-hmm. we're shaming and we're saying oh i oh i did this and power, you know however it's being said like you're leaving you're taking yourself out of the equation of like this is all our trauma and our generational stuff to heal and we have our own generation you know our you know like my mother my grandmother you know we all have that but like just collectively the wounds that have manifested and become around birth and all these things and when you just say well I did it so why can't you which is the underlying message when you're shaming um we're missing that really important step of like don't we want everyone like don't we want the culture of birth to be different not and also home birthing is a privilege like is a privilege for a lot of reasons to be able to afford to have a dual the setup like I just you can't be for everyone and your experience can't match everyone's experience but like you know I think the more important conversation or way to use your energy or whatever is to think about using your energy to contribute to like healing the bigger picture instead of it just becoming another us versus them thing people who home birth people who don't people who free birth versus people who don't like 
I was just gonna say, like, who the fuck cares? Like, I'd rather <laughs> everyone give birth in a way that feels empowering to them, whatever that is, and we start to heal the wounds that we carry that allowed a system that exists to be created and work and still function. Because once we work on that stuff, they're not going to be able to sustain and thrive. I mean, hospitals will probably be fine with that. <laughs> they probably make enough money without people giving birth there, probably. But, um, you know, like, it just, it just won't be able to work the same way anymore. And I think that's way more, more important than the individual. And, like, the individual's experience is important. But there's a bigger picture at play, too. Yeah, and I think that's, I think that's just a big thing is like, I think people think that that's what they're doing. They think that they're thinking of the big picture, but they're going about it. And I always hate this because then I feel like I'm shaming people. But like at the same time, like it's more just like we all we have to find that awareness where it's, it's more of me finding the holes and things, which is what I'm great at with my one channel in human design. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't, yeah, like, you can't ignore everybody else. And, like, sure, maybe our world would be so much better if we did all birth at home, but then every single mom would have to have the full community support that's needed to do that. Yep. Like, you know, and beyond. There's so much, and there's just so much to it. We have to stop this, like, yeah, like, the... if. I did it, why can't you? And like, oh, I birthed at home, and now here's all the bad things about birthing in a hospital, because that's what right. I see. And like, and that's just, sure, are there bad things about birthing in a hospital? Yes, like, are there more things you have to be aware of? And like, is it, like, yes, there's a lot more that goes into it. Like, we think it's easier. We think it's easier to go into a hospital because we've been told, like, if anything happens, then you're taking care of it, all this stuff. But, like, yeah. yes, it's a medical environment, and yes, they're going to put you on top, you know, all those things. But, like, we've been taught for so many years that they're the, um, the authority in that space where they didn't used to be and it what it, the whole history of how that happened is very sketchy and yeah but that's what they did they took the power away but the power we can't just magically get it back like it's going it's going to take a lot of work like <laughs> you can't just shame people into it I, and I think this is what you were trying to say before and if it's not it's what I'm trying to say now and I'm trying to articulate it well but I think there's this there's this piece of what I'm feeling of like I feel like when we're and everyone gets to have their own experience and if you go and do a home birth for your first time and that feels great and that works for you amazing but there's something inside of me that feels like there's some sort of bypassing in that culture of like oh we'll just like go like oh yeah i don't have to deal with all that i don't have to deal with all that so i'm gonna do it this way and again going back to the having the privilege to be able to do it that way and i don't want to say that like women have to suffer through like the research and advocating for themselves like that's not what i'm saying if you want to if you want to do it the other way you can, but there's just this idea of like, we don't need to be doing the work and we don't need to be addressing the wounds. And I think it's really important for us to learn how to advocate for ourselves. Cause that's a really big problem that we're all confronting by 
giving birth somehow inside of the system. And again, like, there's nothing wrong with the other option, but that's a big part of the wound. The, the system has put, made us, right? Like, oh, we just do this. You'll be supported. You'll be cared for. So we don't have to advocate for ourselves or we haven't been thinking for ourselves or thinking, is that even true? Is that even real? And now we're kind of figuring out that out. And I think bypassing that can be problematic. And again, I don't want people mm-hmm. to suffer and have to learn the hard way. Like, that's not what I'm yeah. saying. But I do think there's something in, in learning that and doing the research and knowing what your options are. I don't know. And then if that means you choose a home birth, it's great. There's just nothing like wrong with that. But yeah, and I yeah, and that's baby Zach. You're waking up. Yeah, and I like I don't know. Yeah, there's like so much more to like all of this, of course. But yeah, it's like I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong. Like, no, there's nothing wrong. I think birthing at home can be magical and great. But, yeah, privilege. And then, like, you also then have to do all the work. Like, you know, like, why does it scare you to birth at home? Like, and and that's not easy work to do by yourself. And, like, there's, so there's privilege. I don't know. There's just, there's so many layers. And, yeah, I just think we have to find a way to, if, let's say, like, let's say that's where, people feel like the birthing industry should go like or like like birthing should go back to like birthing at home birthing in your community whatever then you need to work with everybody you can't just then start your own because when you then just do that like yeah then you're just shaming saying if you do it this way you're wrong and there is a lot of that like in that one society (laughs) that there's a, a lot a lot of shaming in that one um yeah, because I, I, yeah, that one is, there's a lot of shaming. Um, and basically, like, if you birth at all in the system, like, you're doing it wrong kind of statements. Um, so, and it's just like, if you, that's what you envision, and if that's what you think, like, where we need to head, you need to work with, like, we just need to start working together to make it better for everybody. Like, should a woman have to go in and fight for the birth she envisions? No. Like, we should not have to do this much, like... Preparation. Yeah, we shouldn't have to. Like, it is a natural thing. And that's the thing, is there... That's where it's at. It's like, oh, but this is natural. Like, yes. And we've been dealing with all this shit for years and years and years and years and years. Centuries. I don't know when it started. I don't remember. But... Yeah. Like, we've been dealing with this, and we can't just, like, pretend that all of this history didn't happen and is ingrained in us. Like, right. we just can't. We have to—there's a lot of heat. Yeah. And that's true with everything, right? And, I mean, yeah. we're talking about this one thing, but, like, you can't go back to how things were, to what a better time was, or to something more natural, or whatever word you want to put on it, without adjusting— all of the pain and all of the wounds and all of the problems that have come since that time. Mm-hmm. We can't just magically, like, I want to go, like, birth in a hut alone. But like you were saying, like, you need that community support. You need things that just don't exist in our society or don't exist for everyone as easily in our exactly. society. Like, that'd be awesome, but mm-hmm. that's not where we are. And everything that happened between that and going back to... 
whatever you want to call it or going wherever we're going, like everything in, in, in that process needs to be addressed. And I think like a lot of things, unfortunately, we just like want to overlook all that because, well, I figured it out. So why can't you? Yeah. I just skipped all that mm-hmm. or, or I dealt with it. Right. Or, but, but it leaves, that's why change takes a lot of freaking time mm-hmm. because we're very self-centered and we think that because we can do it, other people can, and that's how change is going to happen. I don't think that's really realistic. I think it's more about looking at all the problems and working with them and, and healing them. Exactly. So, yeah. And it, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's another form of spiritual bypassing that we're seeing. Yeah. So. And I was going to say that I was like, so be careful who you put on social media, but it, I've been actually thinking about this kind of a lot of like, I think that's a really big problem with the coaching industry or whatever, or just this transition that we've made to people being online and sharing what they do. People want to take you on the journey that they went through because that's what worked for them. And we're moving, we're already, we're struggling with being like in inclusive spaces and holding space for people in a good way. And I think we're just moving even further away from that because it's like, well, I did it. So I'm going to teach you how to do it. And it's not actually about holding space for that person and their trauma and their experiences. And also everything we've been talking about of like, well, what are the cultural norms? What are all the things that have happened that would prevent one? Like, there needs to be this consideration of all of it. And I think what we're seeing a lot with people and things people are investing in, myself included, been there, done that. It's just like, I'm going to take you from point A to point B and we're going to skip all those things because I didn't encounter them. So I can't teach you about that or help you with that. So we're just not going to deal with it. Yep. Yep. Uh yeah, it's like everyone just wants the one size fits all, and they think everyone yeah. is gonna, yeah. Yes, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> hi. Are you done? You come say hi. Put Do we have anything away. else you want to share? Um, I know we're at about a, like an hour or a little yeah. over an hour. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, so not where I thought that conversation was going to go. I but know. That's, <laughs> that's the beauty of our conversation. Right. No, I, I don't know. I think... I think we said probably plenty. Um, well, that's true. Yeah, right. Because I'm pretty sure we could probably find 20 conversations from just that stuff. So. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I feel. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think if we continue talking, we're just going to end up even further down a rabbit hole that yeah. who knows when we'll get out of. So. Yeah, that's fair. I probably finish it there for now and continue another day yeah for many more conversations to come hi all right guys we'll talk to you soon bye bye we hope you enjoyed this episode make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you're listening and find us on instagram at empowered mothers village 
We also have our membership, which includes monthly community circles on Zoom, a safe space to bring your experiences, where we also host occasional workshops and more. If you resonate with the show, we'd love to have you join. You can find all the details and more in the show notes.